Totally Football Show, American Edition. What a day. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Sporting KC take the West. Red Bulls take the Shield. Atlanta United take a fall. And the Galaxy take the bus home. Here we go. Hello and welcome back everyone to the second Totally Football Show, American Edition. Joining me today are Canadian national team player, Lauren Sesselman. What's up? Venice Beach FC, Tim Walsh. Hello. And City of Angels FC founder, PJ Harrison. Hey, mate. You okay? Everything all right? <laughs> is okay it, this, this, is, this is pick on Kobe day today, isn't it? <laughs> uh, all right. That's okay. I can take it. I can take it. It's, it's all right. Oh, man. Yeah, this is, uh, this, this is a little bit of mourning going yeah, on right now. Little pale. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let, let, let's get into it a little bit. I know everybody here wants to talk about it as all eyes are on me. And uh, we're talking a little bit about this. LA Galaxy versus Houston Dynamo game. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Galaxy came into this game with the expectations of going through. They had a, a much better record going in. They had everything to play for. Houston had nothing to play for. They were already looking towards next season when it comes down to it. But for the LA Galaxy, the, the one issue is you had to have a win. So that was the little bit of a scare. But they didn't even get the tie. They didn't even come close. They ended up losing this game with with a two to zero lead going into half. And I, I I know PJ, you're giving me that look right now. But yes, I mean, they played probably the best half I've seen the first half that I've seen this Galaxy play all season. And I've watched quite a few of their games. They were dominant. They created multiple chances. They were solid in the back. You know, everything was going the way. Ola Kamara was absolutely phenomenal once again, giving that work up and down the field, the workhorse that he is. And it was paying off with goals. And then halftime came. <laughs> and halftime came and everything fall, fell apart. I mean, the wheels came off the way I saw it uh, really quickly was just... You, you know they played they went into a shell a defensive shell early on in that second half midfielders like Jonathan Dos Santos were right on top of the back line everyone dropping in allowing Houston to gain more possession gain more play in the game and then once you do that even when you win the ball hmm. there's nowhere to go and and I'm going to criticize the back line for the Galaxy and those midfielders that dropped in even when they did win it it's like get the ball to the man if there are issues with your team and you're struggling and you even take a goal, get the ball to Zlatan. He can do it. I mean, that's why he's here. He's that special one. And they didn't even do that. And that and that was an issue where it was one goal, individual effort by Kyoto that put the Galaxy on their heels, walking on eggshells. A mistake by Alessandrini where he doesn't check over his shoulder, kicks, you know, a player, AJ Delagarza, a former Galaxy guy. Of all and, people. Yeah, of all people, right? You know. Love them, now they hate them, you know, and they get the PK. And then finally, Minotos, that was dangerous all the way throughout as he finished the PK. And then just a, a collapse of multiple players again, and Minotos finishes off that third one. Yeah, I mean, that Americano is going to spend more time in the Cup than the Galaxy this year, mate. <laughs> 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 but I think there's major surgery for them because this is a pivotal year, arguably the most pivotal since Beckham came in, because the new LAFC were going to come in. They came in really strong. They've executed on off the pitch well as we discussed, and um, I, you know, I think the Galaxy should have prepared better. And that's on as great as he is. It's a little unimaginative just to bring in. Okay, we'll bring in a star, and that's going to fix everything, you know. So I think they've got a lot of work to do uh, to take the organization forward next year, especially if LAFC continued their success further into the playoffs. Well, I, I look at this as. I mean, we hear all the rumors about Ibrahimovic, right? It's been AC Milan, it's been Real Madrid. Now, are they real? Is it his agent putting this out there? Either way, it's it's some type of notice to the Galaxy that Ibrahimovic isn't happy with his current situation right. at the Galaxy, be it money, be it play, whatever. So something is going to happen. I guarantee you at some point, someone, part of Ibrahimovic's crew, is going in there and going... This, this, and this has to change. Yeah, and Tim, you made the point that this is a guy that, that moves teams quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, he goes where he wants. He always has options. Um, you know, he's banging in so many goals every year. There's going to be suitors for him whenever he wants. So I think 
now it's coming down to has he enjoyed his time in LA and does he want to progress it? Does he think things can change for next year or does he want a new new challenge? Yeah, I, I would say just you know some credit to the Dynamo. I mean, they did well. You know, they they scored goals this season. They they did that. Um, and I think probably on balance over the course of the season, this may be a fair reflection of what the Galaxy deserve. You know what? You could argue that for sure. I mean, since Lawton came in, maybe not because they changed everything going into the 4-4-2. They started playing a lot better. This was a surprise, but it does harken back to early on in the season, and that that's the big issue. And you have to look back in those times in August when you're not picking up points, dropping points to Colorado, yeah. dropping points to Minnesota. That's where it comes back to haunt you. You know, not, not the best situation, you know, overall for the Galaxy. And I do think there's going to be a lot of pressure to make some changes, you know, overall within this squad, um, you know. But anyways, well, well done to Houston. Well done to Houston. They did did a fantastic job and just didn't rest on, you know, the laurels and talking about the off season. They they came out and they performed well. But PJ, you said someone had something to say to yeah, us. Yeah, um, Hook nineteen ninety five on Twitter uh, was a little unhappy about the amount of time that we spent <laughs> speaking about Houston in in favor of his uh, beloved Seattle. I, I would say though, Hook nineteen ninety five that. That shows tremendous foresight that we had because Houston became the story. <laughs> Major <laughs> anyway, talking so, point. <laughs> no, but Seattle, that's, uh, yeah, they, they are a team that, reserve, that deserve respect. Mm -hmm. They're a good organization. And uh, you watched them, right, Sass? Yeah. Um, you know, going against San Jose, who has the worst record um, this year in Seattle, this is, this is when they shine, you know, in the second half of the season going into playoffs. And, um, San Jose did get on the, the board first after a deflection, um, and then they took it home. Seattle took it home in the, in the second half when um, Ariu Diaz, he came in and had a brace. And, you know, it was just fun to watch. You know, Seattle has such a great attacking squad, and I'm really looking forward to them. You know, they get this first round by seeing them in playoffs shine when they shine. And, you know, San Jose, it's been a, run, it's been a rough one for them, but they... You know, the Wando watch, we had Wando watch mm -hmm. going on, and unfortunately, he... Didn't happen. Didn't happen, <laughs> so hopefully next year for him. Yeah, waiting you know? for another season. Yeah, <laughs> waiting for another season. But, you know, uh, what's great for San Jose is they have a new manager coming in. You know, they have Amadea, who, you know, coming off of Chivas, had a great tenure there with them. And he's coming in, and, you know, this offseason, they're really just going to have to sit back, really assess, and get some more depth in there. And I'm looking forward to him coming in and, and making some changes and, and doing some big things for this team next year. Yeah, it's been a tough season for them. Mm -hmm. No, but I, I got to be happy and give credit to C Seattle, you know, and what they've done. A team that kind of, if you remember a couple of months ago, you know, they were towards the bottom of the mm -hmm. West mm -hmm. and it's just slowly but surely have continued their, their, their creep up the ladder, you know, and they went all the way and came down to the decision day. You know, quite a few things went their way and all of a sudden they're getting a buy. You know, some other teams uh, tended to falter a little bit and they, they, continue to push not worrying so much about others but themselves you yeah. know and especially with some of the changes you know that they had going on within that squad right i mean yeah. they had some mm -hmm. uh, a big retirement right <laughs> i mean dempsey carried so much responsibility for so long with that team that i think when he retired you know who was going to step up and it looked like there was a big hole in that team but you know they've done well and how they've progressed yeah and and seattle is a team that once they're in the playoffs you know, they're one, to watch, yeah, they they're, they're one to watch mm -hmm. out for, you know, so, you know, watch out for Seattle. All right, um, Tim, we're going to hop over to the East real quick because uh, th this this was something special. Huh? This was Atlanta, everything to play for, looking for the supporters shield, right? Yeah. And, and looking for the best record ever within yeah. MLS. Yeah. So this is uh, Toronto versus Atlanta at BMO Field. Toronto, Atlanta. Um you know, they were saying for the, the race for the Supporters' Shield and the highest record in the regular season was between Atlanta and New York. And a lot of people thought this was going to be a tough one for Atlanta, even though Toronto's had such a rough season. They went into this game, you know, struggling. And now they're still in the playoffs, but they're bleeding going into it. Uh, early on in the game, Toronto got a goal. Lucas Jansen, the first 10 minutes, 21st minute, Marky Delgado scores a beautiful goal. And... Atlanta never seemed to pick up this team. Joseph Martinez had a few good chances. Uh, earlier in the season, you would say he would finish with his eyes closed, but just couldn't seem to find the net here until he got a PK. 
put that away with a little bit of style and a fake little stutter. And next thing you know, Toronto's got two more. Um, Giovinco and Lucas Jansen gets his second. So uh, nice pickup for Jansen from Tigre in Mexico. Argentinian player looks good, so hopefully they can keep him for the upcoming year. But yeah, Atlanta, they're, you know, you wonder how much of it is mental at this point with all the chat of Tata and all that. You know, they're the same team, but they just might not be confident. Yeah, well, sorry, Kobe. I mean, Tata said that he felt it was a betrayal to throw away the Sporters' Shield. Yeah. Which is strong. You know, Kobe, what what does it mean as a player to win the Sporters' Shield? Well, it's everything because it shows that during the regular season, you know, that you were the best team. and And it's a little bit of an honor, you know, to have done that. You know, to show that you are consistent day in and day out, that you're strong mentally to go through that long season. People forget how long this season is, especially during the, the you know, the the high heat of summer. You know, that was never easy going through there. But but for me, looking at this, I look at Atlanta and they, they did throw away the supporters shield. But for me, the bigger concern is, is when is Almiron coming back? I mean, Martinez did not look nearly as sharp without Almiron. And I think a lot of it is due to there's no one piercing the heart of opposing defenses and having the ball in close proximity to Martinez. We see a lot of the chances that Martinez got in this game and in the games in the previous, it's a lot of kind of like long passes, trying mm-hmm. to send them through. And yes, he can do that. But when you have Almaron, Almaron is blowing by players, leaving defenders out of play. And all of a sudden it's one twos at the 18 yeah. and then Martinez can, can finish those off. So that's going to be a big issue. And as you said, with Tata Martino, what's, what's going on there? How does that affect him? But one other thing, yeah, I'd just like to touch on <clears throat> Toronto. Yep. You know, this is a team that has the highest salary in the league. And usually there's a correlation in, in the European leagues between salaries and, and positional ranking. And they also have uh, the two highest paid players in the team, one of whom is uh, Michael Bradley. So they really should have done much better than this. Yeah, I, I, look, I mean, I mean, all of us sitting around the table, I think we have to give TFC a little bit of credit, though, their big focus was on CONCACAF Champions League mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, and they kind of fell to the wayside. How that affected them, who knows. I almost wanted to say with TFC, was this kind of a sign of what to look forward to next year when they can totally focus on just the league? Because, I mean, they demolished. They absolutely demolished this Atlanta United side. So I think it's a, it's a little bit of a hint of things to come, you know, dependent, of course, of what players are still around next year for TFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's always going to be an issue. All right, so uh, next we're going to uh, hop on over. PJ, uh, you had the exciting game, uh, Chicago, and you're DC United with Rooney, Rooney. <laughs> yeah, I know you that's love hearing good, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a rainy day, so it's a park, and fittingly a bit of a damn squib, really. Uh, the fire signed off on a forgettable season with a nil-nil. Um, they were the better team, but you know, it doesn't matter unless you put the ball in the net, right? So, yeah, yep. the coach uh, Pornovic didn't do much to quell the speculation over where his future lies after the yep. whistle. Um, overall, they look a team who lack confidence. They'll have to have a good hard think over the off season because most of the roster and the staff are out of contracts or of options, and chief amongst them is Schweinsteiger. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot for them to think about. They could also do with resolving the dispute that's been running with the supporters. Uh, because over the season, there's been an issue with the uh, dispersal of the sector Latino. And since then, Toyota Park's been quieter than a Prius. Yeah. Uh, just having a lot of issues there with, yeah, the, with the supporters? I mean, the Section A supporters are the guys behind the goal that have been going crazy since the beginning. Are those yeah. old barn burners and all the that? The old barn burners. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. those guys were, yeah, they were rough and tumble. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, I mean, they've been the heart of the team for so long. And... You know, the owners have kind of made it very difficult for them. So um, whether they're trying to build a more family-friendly environment or who knows what their plan is, but, I mean, for any organization, you need those guys. Yeah, look, no, at, I, look at what LAFC's done with their supporters. They've made them almost the celebrities of the... Yeah, of, you can't go... I, I, any organization that try, tries to forget their past and their history and their original supporters always has issues. Mm-hmm. That's an issue. You've got to be able to stay with those fans, you know, wherever you have you have issues. Like I said, you've, you've got to stay loyal and you've got to bring those people in. Like you mentioned, LAFC has done an excellent job of having a family-friendly environment, but also, you know, having those, you know, I don't know if you want to call it what, the, the millennial kind of like the hipster 
type of environment well where you can be a little bit wild and crazy and, yeah and, and that that's important seattle does it portland does it you know yeah. those are the best ones. atlanta does it you know i, I just say for dc you know, there wasn't much to talk about in the game. I don't think this is going to hamper them. I think the momentum is so strong from, you know, where they've been going since Rooney joined that, you know, I don't think this is going to stop them. And uh, this makes it a 10-match unbeaten streak, you know, and they're going to face Columbus next at the architectural marvel that is Audi Field. You just don't like that place, do you? <laughs> no. No one's going to like any stadium 100%, right? You know, maybe, yeah. you know, get the City of Angels Stadium. You can design it any way you want. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Until then, quit bagging on everyone else's. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, that's going to do it for part one. I just want to remind everybody out there that your support, it's vital. You know, you can help us by screen grabbing this podcast right now and putting it in your IG story feed or Twitter, you know, and one person who does that, you know, you'll win a ball signed by yours truly. You can also help us by subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. That always helps. <laughs> okay, thanks so much more to discuss. So join us in part two after this. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising inquiries, email hello at muddykneesmedia.com. Welcome back for part two of the Totally Football Show American Edition. Okay, now, over on the East Coast, Sess, did the Red Bulls give you wings? <laughs> <laughs> Were Orlando just Orlando? Yes, Orlando was just Orlando. Yes, a two words, supporter shield. Congratulations to the Red Bulls. Woo, woo, um, wait, this, hey, hey, round of applause. Yes, Come seriously. On. Yeah, come on, that, that's impressive. I'm impressed by that. You know, this is their third supporter shield in six years. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And they also have are coming away with the best season in MLS history with 71 points. And Orlando, you know, they just didn't have a good year. But, you know, it's just great for the Red Bulls going into um, playoffs here. You know, the game started with, um, you know, Wright Phillips getting <laughs> getting fouled in the box, which I think it was a pretty weak foul. And then Etienne, he did not score that PK. He got stopped. But he did come back in the 53rd minute, and he was slicing and had a beautiful goal to put them ahead 1-0. Yeah, now they get their first round by, and I'm excited to see what they do yeah. up here in, in playoffs. I think looking at this Red Bulls team, I mean, we were talking about Toronto and LA Galaxy and how much they're spending, you, you know, Red Bulls have a lot of homegrowns who are doing the job out there. You got Derek Ntn Jr., you got Aaron Long who's coming along, and he now he's getting his U.S. national team. Um, and you also got, who else, Tyler Adams, who's been lighting up the league this whole year and with the national team as well. Yep, impressive. I mean, it's, it's amazing what they're doing with their academy there and how these guys are actually producing for the first team and backing it up with Supporter Shield. That's the style that every owner in this league wants they they, they want that we're talking about going european style european coaches european players how about the european style of developing players and in red bull you know you give credit to red bull to fc dallas they are doing that where those players are actually moving up from the academies to the second teams to the first teams yeah. you know and it, and, it, and it's really good and i, I got to give a shout out you now a round of applause to you know Chris Armas as head coach, you know, mm -hmm. taking over, but also Jesse Marshes too, as he left and handed it over to Chris Armas. It's pretty impressive, I think, the style of play that Red Bull plays because they do that high press, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. always pushing, always going, and you know what? That really is a testament to creating a new style of play, developing it, and implementing it, and having it be a success. You know, you said three supporter shields mm -hmm. in uh, six years. So that's that's yep. uh, and you know, certainly it's going well <laughs> you look at that you got you know chris armis and you know even moving tim parker bringing him from vancouver these are guys who have a lot of pride in that club in that city that area and you, you know it's coming through in the way they're playing so you're saying players that have a like heartstrings to that team you know yeah, <laughs> might, yeah. might be might uh do do well on that coaching side and everything yeah, exactly. which is which is pretty good um i mean orlando i mean sasha question you couldn't change anything huh not a whole lot. I mean, they did they did come back and they did get a goal, but it was you know offsides. So yeah, and it's a good team, Orlando. You know, they Tom yeah. Dom Dwyer. You mm -hmm. know, you got some guys who can put the ball in the net. Have they replaced Kaka? I don't know. You know, I think they got a lot of questions to ask themselves right now. 
Yeah, the totality there mm-hmm. is going to be a big issue for for next year. How do you get everybody on the same page? Yeah, you know, you because like you said, you got some good, not only talented players, but those are good leaders. Yeah. it's not like they're twenty two, twenty three. These guys are, you know, have been around this league for a while and have an understanding of what's necessary. All right. So, anyways, okay, we went from one. New York team, the Red Bulls, were going to go to the blue, the NYCFC versus Philadelphia. I saw the blue half of New York, and that was uh, that was something special. I mean, this is a team that wasn't coming into this game, you know, on a high note. And they were uh, matching up against Philadelphia. That was coming in on a high note. But this this game was, was something else. It was pretty, pretty spectacular, the way New York approached this match. Home match for New York, and we all know at Yankee Stadium, that's one of those tiny, tiny fields. It's like San Jose back in the day, you yeah. know, where the, the field is like 60-some yards or, or like that. And you get an idea of how to play on the field when you're there day in and day out. And they totally took it to Philadelphia. Um, I, I look at this game. Davia was absolutely, or do they say David? That's David. it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. David Villa <laughs> was absolutely spectacular uh, in his play because he seemed fresher you know, than usual. His movements were very dynamic and short and sharp. And he didn't have to work as hard you know, to have opportunities come his way because the players around him were playing much better. Matarita, I thought, had one of the better games. You know, he was up and down consistently, you know, on, uh, on the left side, really taking people to town. Maxi Morales, I thought he was good as well. Going up the one goal and then getting the own goal from uh, Austin Trusty, where he kind of finished it great in his own net, upper V, you know, <laughs> kind of took, I think, a little bit of the pressure off. Philadelphia, for a team that was coming in so strong, I was surprised to see them have some issues. Like right before halftime, you had Burke and Dockle, like physical confrontation between teammates. Yeah, That can't be good, especially when you are going into, you know, the playoff time. And Philadelphia's got to face... New York again at the same field, you know, under the same circumstances. So they've got to wrap their heads around this situation and get get on the same page. One thing I have to put in, I'm going to paraphrase this from Alex Ring. After the game, he said, bring on any side in MLS because if we play like this, no one can beat us. You know, and looking at that and how they played, I, I, I would have to agree with them. They were pretty spectacular because from the, from the back to the front, from Sean Johnson in goal, stopping a PK, all the way up to Villa and Morales and Matarita, they looked fabulous. And it's going to be difficult for teams to break them down and to stop those top players from scoring on them. So I, it, the only issue I see for for NYCFC and anyone else can jump in here is does their play on that small field translate once they move to other teams and playing on bigger, wider fields? I mean, I think they can obviously play. They they haven't done that bad on the road. Um, but if anything, it's an advantage. It's like, you know, it's something you got to go to Yankee Stadium and get it done. And everything's a little different, the dimensions, the way that, you know, the crowd is. And I think if they have that advantage, credit to them. You know, let's see what they can do if they can get that home game. Yeah, I mean, well, I I, I think against Philadelphia, yeah, that, that the advantage is there, you yeah. know, and and there's also you know how it is when you have to play the same team yeah right again in a, in a couple of days and you didn't have a good showing the first time you got to figure it away and, and obviously when you know, once again I have to mention it, the infighting that's going on you know at Philadelphia doesn't bode well for you know the next matchup yeah you know, so we'll see um so with that we're gonna hop back to the west coast Tim LAFC versus Sporting KC. This is for the title. This is for the Western Conference Championship. How did this one turn out? I mean, it was a physical game. It was, you know, intense because both teams were fighting for good momentum. And you got to remember, Sporting KC had LAFC's number at the bank. One of the only teams to beat them at the Bank of California Stadium. Um, I like that. The bank. <laughs> That's what the kids are calling it. Ah, uh, 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 the hip, uh, the hip kids, you know. Was what, it every street, every block, whatever? What's, yeah, what's the street tagline? Street by street, block street by street, block by block. block, by block. Yeah, defend okay. the bank. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good game. You look at this Sporting KC side, and they're just strong. You know, I think early in the game, you see Graham Zuzzi coming out of the back. Great creative player who's playing right back. That gives them a lot of options, and he's able to find Roger Espinoza, who hits an absolute banger. 
um, early in the game. So all that chanting from the LAFC fans, he just was able to quiet them real quick. And what a what a vet, what an OG of this league and someone who can really hold down a midfield. And I think if you look at LAFC, that's a guy, you know, that position for them is something that's been missing, I think, because Mark Anthony Kay goes out early in the season, and now you have three players, Benny Failhaber, Lee Wynn, and a Twista. But these guys, the way they're playing, um, you know, they almost need that midfield guy who can win the ball, like like Espinosa. So um, the Teeth blessing comes in the second half and gave them a little bit of life against his old team. Um, and then there was the penalty. So Sinovic's got his hand on the post. Ball comes in from Diamande. He's trying to put it in the goal, and it just hits Sinovic's hand. Um, penalty goes to Carlos Vela. He scores. Sinovic's got the red. And now LAFC have some life. But we've seen how many times this year Daniel Saloui score a game winner again. So it's his 10th goal of the season, six-game winner, three in the last couple games. Came off some beautiful play with Kyrie Shelton, who's been great target for them all season for uh, Saloui and Johnny Russell to run off of. And, yeah, Casey took the game, and, you know, now they have great, great momentum and maybe a little bit of a advantage. Everyone's fearing them in the West. Okay, okay I got, I'm going to jump back to the to that card, right? Sinovich is on the post, Yeah. right? He's holding the post and the ball hits his hand? Yeah. Okay, so it's not in a natural position, but he gets a red card and the penalty isn't is, isn't there a whole thing about double jeopardy now? Yeah, that, that's it's kind of I I don't know. It's, <laughs> With this one, this, I think this one was tricky because it wasn't like he moved his hand as the ball mm-hmm. was in the air. He was resting his hand against the post. Now right. whether that was him being tired, lazy, or if it was strategy to maybe this hand can stop this ball, I don't know. But they had to go to VAR and. Yeah, there was a little bit of controversy. It's about strange it. that stuff. You know, the the double jeopardy rule is something that has been revised over the past few seasons in in other leagues, um, and also just the general understanding of handball and penalties. Because there's a lot of talk amongst analysts about the arm being in an unnatural position, right. which re- resting on the post might be. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of that in the rules. That's an irrelevant uh, conversational aspect of this. It's whether or not somebody intentionally propelled or deflected a ball, and Maybe you didn't do that, you know, so red card, harsh. A bit harsh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's what it comes down to. But in the end, it, did, it didn't matter. It, now, it could matter in the first round of the playoff, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he's in there. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter Vermes is going to try to, you know, put that one above the refereeing committee and see if he can get it overturned, but, but who knows. But LAFC, this is opportunity lost, right? I mean, they were in a position where they were 1-1 and they were, they were up a man. Mm-hmm. and couldn't finish this off. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean they got they got some questions to ask and I think, you know, with them it's they need a I think they need a real big goal scorer. You know, they're kind of splitting the duty between Diego Rossi, Diomande, Carlos Vela, um but someone who's really going to take the reins up there, whether it's Christian Ramirez or somebody else, but uh, yeah, there's no one I think reliable consistently to finish off these games. Defensively, you got to remember Simon left after three-fourths of the season and he was a huge part of that team huge part of their leadership um so i you know that has to maybe leave some holes and you look at the first goal with organizing their midfielders leaving roger espinoza up open on the top of the box yeah okay and finally we had some games that were maybe a little less relevant um we saw Montreal actually lose to New England 1-0, to so a victory for Brad Friedel and his side. Uh, Montreal losing that game, you know, put themselves out. Uh, we also saw Columbus beat Minnesota 3-2 to with a hat trick from Giassi Zardes, a game that was delayed for 60-plus minutes uh, due to inclement weather. So they actually knew because of Montreal's result, they knew right before halftime that they were already in. So it kind of took a little bit of pressure, you know, mm-hmm. off of Greg Berhalter and his side uh, going into it. And so the only game during the t- decision day that actually lasted quite a bit longer. But still, with that game, they came through and, uh, you know, Zardes, you know, picking up the hat trick. Actually pretty, pretty special to get those three goals. A lot of it due to Iguain. You know, he's a, a fantastic player. I mean, we talk about Zardes and his goal scoring. Iguain and his ability 
to really control the midfield and get the ball into passing and possession in the opponent's half, I think is what spurs Giassi Zardes on. Yeah. Zardes isn't the type of striker that's going to be like, okay, pass, move, create. No, he's a finisher. Now, that's not that's not a negative for anyone out there that's going to say, oh, I'm bagging on him. No, that's that's a big plus. I mean, how many... As in Zaghi, just put the ball in the back of the net, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know you can make a very good living off of that. But uh, that was that was another one of those games uh, that happened that finished off uh, with a three to two victory for Columbus. Um, now we're gonna jump ahead real quick. PJ, Colorado two, Dallas one. So Dallas kind of letting something go. Yeah, the Rapids spoiled Dallas's shot at a at a bye there. Uh, two ones to the Rapids, as you said. Uh, they were given a penalty when Hurston looked like he took down the Dallas midfielder Lamar, but it was overturned by VAR, which continues to be divisive. Uh, during the closing stages of the season, Dallas have lost to DC, Sporting, and now Colorado, so it's kind of hard to see them beating one of the stronger teams during the playoffs. I think the players are probably best served focusing on the Thanksgiving plans because I think they're going to be available. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that that's that's pretty harsh. So you think they're gonna they they will struggle against all the, the what the the tougher teams that may be right below them in the playoffs, or do you, are you talking I about the so. ones that the, are resting right now? The teams are around them, and you know superior teams for sure. Okay. Yeah, and the Rapids coach uh, Anthony Hudson is under pressure. It's just the eighth win in thirty four games, uh, leaving Hudson with a win percentage of twenty three point five from his debut season, and. Uh, you know, strangely, and maybe he'll regret this after the dust has settled, but he said he felt ashamed over the season. And I think it's, despite saying that he's committed to the team, it feels to me like it's hard for a coach's job to remain tenable if they say they feel ashamed about the performance of the season. I, I don't know if it's going to be the coach's job with him coming on so early. I think it's more so of a message that he's sending to his players, right? That he's going to make some wholesale changes. Oh, yeah. You know, even though he's made, he's brought in a few, I don't think they've been quality, you know, from watching Colorado play. They're an uneventful team, you know, the way that they have been playing, you know, throughout this season. So uh, I think without a doubt, there'll be some changes on the player's side. And to be very honest, touching on what you said, BJ, if, if, it doesn't get better next year i could see like we always see there will be that two or three month you know waiting period to see how colorado starts off and if it doesn't go well you could be seeing a new coach there yeah all right um well with that one i mean we got another game going on um Sess, i believe you're actually in portland this weekend playing right yeah yeah all right what they were actually portland was taking on vancouver in vancouver Wait a second, what were you doing up in Portland? I was up there. I was I was playing some soccer and okay. having some fun. Um, and this game, Vancouver comes away two to one. And we should just call this game the Alfonso Davies show. I mean, <laughs> this this kid is seventeen years old and he is looking he is looking good. He has grown so much. His instinct for the game has grown so much. So for him going, you know, finishing the season on this note and going into um, Bayern Munich is gonna be huge for him. Um, he had two beautiful goals and, you know, the first one coming from, the, you know, from half field and just slicing and dicing through the, you know, the Portland defense. And then that beautiful left foot shot, it was just, it was gorgeous. And then also his second one, he gets that finish off of a uh, far fan, bad clearance and he just pokes it away. And then Flores for Portland comes in second half and just pokes one in, but it wasn't enough for them. Vancouver wins this game two to one and Vancouver, you know, obviously they're out and Portland is set to play FC Dallas this Wednesday. This is a standard, standard Alfonso Davies goal, right? Where he picks up the ball at midfield mm -hmm. and just shows his pace, his ability on the ball. A little bit of a, a, a look at why teams were so interested in him to, to begin with. And, you know, two goals on your send off. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. no, not bad at all. Portland though. I mean, Expected more. Yeah, I think, you know, they're relying too much on Diego Valeri, as we've said before. So if you can neutralize him, you know, who's Diego Chara maybe? But, yeah, they they uh, they should be putting away Vancouver going into the playoffs. 
never you know what we've seen a lot of this on decision day where should have been putting this team away yes my my poor galaxy yes yeah. but also lafc you yeah. they're in a perfect position where they are up a player and not able to put in uh sporting away we're seeing it here with portland against vancouver you know decision day probably one of the most exciting decision days you know i, I that i can remember within mls because there's so much that could happen so much went the wrong way mm. yeah well, that's why we love football right <laughs> that's it anything can happen all right coming up in part three of the totally football show american edition we'll take a look at the first round of knockout fixtures and how we think that might all shake out plus your questions and more you're listening to the totally football show american edition for sales and advertising inquiries email hello at muddyneesmedia.com All right, and we are back. It's playoff time. Let's take a look at who's playing in the first round this Wednesday and Thursday. And a reminder, we'll be back on Friday to recap all the action. So make sure to subscribe and join us for that. Okay, firstly, the standings in the West ended with Kansas topping the Western Conference, followed by Seattle, LAFC, FC Dallas, Portland, and Salt Lake just squeaking in, courtesy of the LA Galaxy. <laughs> Everyone's welcome over there. Uh, and in the East, the New York Red Bulls clinched the supporters' shield. Congratulations. And followed by Atlanta, who just completely collapsed. NYCFC, DC United, Columbus, and Philadelphia all followed. So that leaves us with an interesting set of first-round fixtures. Yeah. For, yeah. First off, in the West, we have... FC Dallas versus Portland. And this is going to be hosted by FC Dallas, so Portland's got to travel on Wednesday. Quick turnaround, um, the Wednesday game compared to Thursday. But I look, I think Diego Valeri has enough to, you know, get him to the next round of, of this game. So um, and this is a guy who's been considered in the conversation for MLS MVP, you know, for a couple of years. So, you know. I think this is where Portland's going to come alive a little bit in the second half in the season here, going into the playoffs. Sess, you saw you saw Portland against Vancouver. You think they have what it takes? I think that any team can bring it at any game at any point. And you know, yeah, they they did lose, you know, yesterday, but they can they can turn it around and coming against you know FC Dallas. But they're playing at home, which you know you have the home crowd behind you. So I think it can be anyone's game. And I'm going to go for Portland this one. Uh, I, I look at this game and I. You know, Portland on the road traveling, I think they're a very good team. And I know that Dallas has slid a little bit, but I think Oscar Pereira as coach, I think he's he's going to have his team organized. And I think that's going to help him. At home, I, I tend to think during playoff time, I think it's completely different than anything yeah. during mm -hmm. regular season. Teams tend to change and you you tend to get more focused as a unit you put all the differences behind you mm -hmm. and you come together. And so I, I think I'm going to give as home side I think I'm going to give the edge, you know, to FC Dallas. You know, though though Portland, you know, this is one of those teams where, you know, individuals can make something happen. Yeah. And if FC Dallas doesn't put them away early, then I'm going to say that advantage is slowly going to slip because a player like Valeri, you know, he can stay in tuned for 90 minutes. And what does that mean for a player like of that caliber? It means he could do nothing. Yeah. For 89 minutes and 45 seconds, and then 15 seconds, he recognizes the danger, and boom, he makes something happen. So, uh, you know, you have to be on your toes. Yeah. You have to be on your toes. But for, for starting out, the way it should go, I think I'm going to give the, the advantage to FC Dallas, you know, overall. All right, next one that is going on. This was close to your heart. I'm going to start with you again, Tim. Uh, LAFC versus Real Salt Lake. You know, Real Salt Lake, maybe Pecky's, you know, done with his barbecue at his house and everything <laughs> yeah. now, and he's actually gearing up for this match. <laughs> I mean, I'd be, we might be biased here based in L.A., but I don't think anyone is expecting Real Salt Lake to overtake LAFC here. Um, I mean, this is a talented team LAFC has, and they're playing at home, which for them may be different than FC Dallas. Their home stadium is a huge advantage for them. So, um yeah, I think we're, you know, we're going to watch and everyone's going to be supporting LAFC to hopefully see them make a big playoff run because it's an exciting team. Yeah, I think this is where we're going to see the benefits of Bob Bradley. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the first postseason game for the organization. Uh, his leadership, I think, is going to be invaluable. So there's 
there's some pressure on him to yeah. deliver. And I think like FC Dallas, Perea, you know, Bradley and Perea, these guys can, you know, they can get you jacked up for these moments. You have to imagine some of their talks in the locker room, you know, they're getting these guys organized and fired up for these games coming up. So Yeah, and every postseason game is an opportunity for an expansion team's roster to make history, right? So they have this huge incentive every game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But doesn't this game have the vibe of that it's going to be wide open? You know, when you look at the Real Salt Lake and LAFC, it has the, I feel it has the tendency where you can see this game really open up as the game goes on because there's a lot of talented players that like to get into the attack where you could find this being end-to-end. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and the one other thing i got to mention, like you, like you said, PJ, this is their first play. This is LAFC's first playoff game. Can you imagine what the hype is going to be around there? We see oh. what they've done just for yeah. the opening yeah. of the stadium. This is playoffs for them. This is going to be pretty amazing. So st- everyone out there, stay tuned to pay attention to that. These next two days, you know, leading up to this match is going to be pretty spectacular. Especially with the Galaxy out. There's a lot of neutral fans in L.A. Mm-hmm. who I think will happily support LAFC. You don't cross moment. the line. <laughs> you don't cross the line. I don't know. I'm just saying the roots yeah. aren't that deep yet, but maybe they'll... You don't cross... Maybe... The roots aren't that deep 20-plus years for yeah. Galaxy fans, you know? For the hardcore fans. For the hardcore fans. Look, but we know there's a lot of guys... LA, LA's a hot sports town right now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit cooler than it was this time yesterday with the, the Dodgers. But yesterday was the first time in history there's been NHL, uh, NBA... Lakers there, um, NFL, um, baseball, baseball. Unfortunately, the LA yep. Dodgers ate it in the World Series and Basketball, MLS. MLS. The, the LA Dodgers were at the StubHub. Yeah, so it's it's a thriving sports town right now in yeah. terms of you know the teams and how they're doing. And It'll be a spotlight. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for all those Dodger fans and Galaxy fans who have nothing to cheer for anymore maybe it's LAFC enough room for all is what you're saying but I say <laughs> stick with your team yeah. <laughs> come on, come on. stick not. with your team alright alright Sporting KC they have a bye Seattle they did well enough where they have a bye as well so that and now we're done with the west and that leads us to the east where we got NYCFC versus the Philadelphia Union and this one's going to be on Wednesday alright PJ who do you got on this one I think New York just straight up, huh? Straight up, New York. I think I'm going to go for the underdog. I'm going to go for Philly. I mean, they're coming off of a loss against them, you know, this weekend. And so I'm, my money's on Philly. You think Jim Curtin with the tactics, he's got it He's got it all I sorted do. out? You know? I do. I mean, I feel like anytime you're playing back-to-back the same team, I mean, it's always a different game the next time around. So I think that Philly's going to come out strong. They did create a few chances. You know, they got the PK. They they missed the PK, you know, but yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Tim? I'm going to go with NYCFC. Okay. Any particular reason? Just going for it, huh? I mean, you got David V. He's world champion. You David. Know. David, my fault. <laughs> David. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy who's going to step up here. Uh, just just to point to the pronunciation, in England, Manchester City have a, a Spaniard too, and he's just called Spanish Dave. So, <laughs> <laughs> you can always Davey. fall back on that. <laughs> there we go. Spanish Dave. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I'm looking at this and I think uh, I'm going to go with NYCFC. I just think they have so much an, an advantage due to that field. Yeah. You know, that small, tiny, teensy, eensy, teensy field that I can't stand those type of fields. Yeah. You know, and it's such an advantage where you can just press nonstop. And if you have to adjust to it, I don't think, you know, Philadelphia has enough time, you know, even though they just played a game on it, you know, there's just the advantage of knowing that field in and out. Um, now I know why you struggle at five aside. <laughs> oh. uh, struggle. My team wins every time. <laughs> Don't be lying to the people. <laughs> That's the once every two months. Fact check. Yeah. Fact check. All right. All right. Next game. Oh, oh I know why he's talking. Up. Rooney. <laughs> Rooney. Okay. We got DC United versus the Columbus Crew. That will be on Thursday. Uh, PJ, I'll start with you because I know who. Who's PJ gonna be? Who are you rooting for here? Who do you think is gonna win this one? see. <laughs> Shocker. Well, look, I mean, would you bet against a player of Rooney's caliber with all the trophies he's won and, you know, what he's about as a guy? He's, he's the ultimate competitor, really. And I think that that carries a value. You know, I think that's going to help the team. I think they've got so much momentum. Yeah, I, I think DC, I don't think they're going to have a problem. One player does not a team make. Yeah. No, but his impact on the other players and the chemistry and, and like we spoke about the way that he's unlocked Acosta... 
you know, that one player can make the difference. Sess? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, big players do come alive in big games, and, you know, Rooney's been stepping it up, and but I am going to have to go with Columbus. Oof. I mean, I might be the only one here, but I, I have to go. I mean, they, they just came off a great hat trick, you know, and great game. So mm. they have great momentum right now. And, you know, DC United just came off a tie. But I'm going for, I'm going for Columbus. Would you I think want to this put could $10 be a... on it? Bet. All right. Oh, $10 on the table. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think this one's close. Um, you know, DC, Rooney, they got momentum. But Columbus is not a bad side. And they have some pieces that just haven't came together since Justin Merrim came back. He hasn't produced the form he did in the previous couple of years for Columbus. That being said, you have Higuain, you have Will Trapp, um, and Giassi, who's on fire. So this is a toss-up. I think this is one that's going to be different because it is playoffs. And, you know, I, it, it could be 50-50 either way. But I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus shut down the Wayne Rooney show and gave him an early vacation. All right. Well, I'm 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 gonna hop on board the Columbus train on this one. You're you're standing alone, PJ. <laughs> Ten bucks a piece, and, and, and I'm gonna be rich. The, the reason why is because I do understand that Rooney comes in and he's changed the the momentum of the team, but I don't uh, I don't think that changes the makeup the base of the team and what we saw before. And once we hit playoffs, I think teams revert to what their base is. And I think Columbus overall is a better team. I think Will Trapp centrally in the midfield will be able to shut things down. I think since Merrim is back and his relationship and understanding with Higuain allows them to control that midfield a lot more. And Giassi Zardes is on fire. You know, mm -hmm. he, he's, he's going to be put in positions where I think he can take down that back line of DC United that, to be honest, hasn't changed a whole lot from the beginning of season. You know, so I think I'm going to give the edge there and with Greg Berhalter in there with his organization and understanding of how to break down teams. I, I'm going to give the edge to Columbus on this one. All right, we're moving on. I don't want to hear anything from PJ, you know, on arguments on, on this one. We got New York Red Bulls, Supporter Shield winners. They get the bye. Atlanta, they get the bye as well. So they'll be sitting and waiting in the wings for, for the winners of those games. Colby, what's it like this time of the season being a player? And, and actually for you too, Sess, I mean, what's going on in the mentality coming out of the regular season into the postseason? You know, I think at this this point, you know, playoffs, they're just so exciting. And you just kind of have to push the regular season, you know, to the side. And you just got to focus as a whole nother beast. Yeah, I'm just really excited. I mean, as a player, this is the best time of the year. So I'm excited to see what do, happens. Do you get nerves before these games in a way that you don't with the regular season? I mean, I think there's always nerves when you're playing, you know. I was always one that get nervous, but I fed off right. being nervous. You once you step onto the pitch, it's those nerves are gone and you're focused and you're ready to play and, you know, I just it's it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'd agree with Sess. Uh, you, you I agree with Sess money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes down to it, it is the whole uh, regular season and that's the funny thing about MLS the whole regular season you know goes to the wayside and it's all about okay we've got five to six games left you know what can we do every game is win or go home so there's a, a sense of urgency you know and there's a, a definite uh, energy amongst the team you know you you feel that and the team gets closer and tighter and not only with stuff that happens at the stadium or in the locker rooms or at trainings you're personal life and everything else gets put to the wayside you know there there's no more just like oh i gotta do this oh i gotta do this deal everything you put out there is done and it's all focused on these next few weeks of can you get the victories that are necessary and there's a um i always loved it because there's a this time of year in the u.s there's that christmas in the mm -hmm. air you know, and, and it, it smells like playoffs is the best way to say it. You have that smell and that, that vibe and you're just more energized and energetic around each other as a group and a team. So, yeah, it's definitely different, you know, than the regular season and all those months before. And it culminates with these games. Can you come together in a unit? And, and that's why I think with some teams, you know, that might have issues within the squad, they got to figure it out and you better figure it out quick. Right. So now that we're at playoff time and decision day is behind us, um, I, I always think it's interesting to really kind of 
talk about playoffs and what it means and we've, we've mentioned it a little bit but also that we have to talk about the fan base you know how the fans start to come alive during this this playoff season and and i've always been one that i've i've fed off of the fans you know each and every game in the playoffs is no difference right i mean what about all of you oh yeah the same way? a knockout football is a fun is you, you you live and die with every kick of the ball yeah i mean i think we've seen the supporters groups for a lot of different MLS clubs grow over the last couple of years, and I think it's going to add a lot at this point of the year. Um, you look at you know teams like Seattle, LAFC, Atlanta; those are going to be really tough places to play. So, yeah, yeah. there's been a lot of a lot of ways for the fans to show their uh, <laughs> their loyalty and their and their love for the game. But uh, uh, well, one of those ways is wearing the jersey, right? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. You got something on that, Seth? Yeah, we actually have a question from one of our listeners. Um, at James Frowen asks, um, which is the hottest MLS jersey now and also of all time? Oof. Did, did James, James Frowen yeah. here slid in your DMs? Is that what he, happened? He slid into the DMs. <laughs> I, you know, for me, this is what I think. The hottest MLS jersey right now, I think, is Ibra's. And I think of all time, Beckham and Henri. Oh, you're going play specific. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, pretty iconic. That's what I think. But no, no Jones, no Jones. That's what I'm about to say. Hey. I mean, this is all opinion. <laughs> I mean, Jones. I have a Kobe Jones, Jones jersey. Yeah, there we go. I rock that on the daily. <laughs> oh. But I'm just saying. Are we talking selling, design? I think design, man. I mean, what's out there right now that you like? Uh, I mean, right now, I think, you know, Atlanta. LAFC, cool jerseys ruined by the sponsors. You know, yeah. um, that's my personal opinion. I think over time, all-time MLS jersey, you have to look at Kansas City and what they've done as the Wizards. And the Wizard, I mean, that, that <laughs> rainbow. That that's what you funky. like. <laughs> that was funky. And then you know, since they've rebranded, they've had some really unique jersey. They designs actually that had the hottest selling jersey. Uh, until New York City came in and essentially reappropriated it. And so I there think must there was be a conversation between the two blue, clubs huh? there. Yeah, you know, that uh, that's one of the issues with those Adidas jerseys are, are really nice, but the thing is, it's kind of homogenized that it's all essentially one design. Yeah. So from one club to another, there isn't a huge amount of identity like the olden days. Yeah. So are you saying that the LA Galaxy could bring out a black jersey and just start, you know, taking over LAFCs? So. I mean, you know, this, the city's a little, it's not known for not being fickle, right? So, I mean, maybe. Mm. All right, but what about you guys think is the all-time as a player uh, selling jersey? As a player? Yeah. Most iconic or best-selling? Best-selling's kind of got to be Beckham, you would think, right? Yeah, it's got to be yeah. Beckham, just because you're talking about a worldwide audience there. Mm -hmm. And I know Ibrahimovic is... You know, very popular, but as far on the on the world stage, I'd say, yeah, Beckham might outshine him just a little Agreed. bit. Yeah. yeah, but then Jones thirteen after that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Close Easy. second. <laughs> yeah. Jermaine or Kobe? Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jermaine was trying to step on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've decided that my jersey was the most iconic uh, within MLS, <laughs> um, that's going to do it uh, for the show today. Uh, I just want to say thank you for everyone for being thank here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and for everyone for tuning in to the Totally Football Show American Edition. And remember, remember, we can't do this without you. And it's extremely important that you all, you know, you like us, you subscribe, and, uh, you know, make sure that you also go to at Totally American if you want to send some questions to make sure that we can get it on the next podcast. And we will be back on Friday for the third episode of the Totally Football Show American Edition. 